on the positive attitude of contentment. That's right. So that's how we overcome evil with good, you see. And so we're thinking now today about the third problem attitude. Next week, we'll talk about the, the, the uh, antidote, if you will, to this one that can be so destructive in our lives, in our churches, in our families. And so we're going to talk about the problem attitude of a critical spirit, having a critical attitude. It might also be described as a fault-finding attitude, all right? So this attitude is one that we're going to begin by celebrating. Because I believe that God is working in the lives of our people. I'm hearing some really great things from testimonies of people that are saying, man, God is helping me in this area. I'm overcoming, you know, this with that. And so I thought maybe we would have just a real quick personal testimony. So I've asked Robert to come because we talked this week about attitudes. And let me see if I can get a mic here and uh, I'll turn it on here. Brother Thomas, this yellow one here, give it to Robert. Thanks for being willing, Robert, to just share openly how God's working in your life. Because it's good for us to hear from our church family, uh, just testimony. Say, this is what God's doing in my life. So when we talk about a critical spirit, uh, Robert, what's God been doing in your life regarding just overcoming this critical spirit? Maybe let's just say in your home. How's that working? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, being a dad is great. Obviously, it's Father's Day. It is. It is Father's you know, I've got, Day. We've got four daughters. You know, that's pretty great. You know, four daughters. Um, I love them to death. I go in their room at night. Try to kiss them for... I mean, it's kind of bad when they leave Legos on the ground. I mean, that's yeah, bad. Yeah, that's a problem. Because you yeah. step on those in the night. Yeah, nothing worse than that. Yeah. So, yeah. And you yeah. probably told them to put them up. Yeah, ask them to pick up their toys. And they don't do it. it. Yeah, really it's a pain. It really yeah. is, yeah. But that's great. You know, I mean, well, kids, kids yeah. are great. I guess you got to right. love them through that, yeah, basically. Yeah, true. You know, so that's good. So it sounds um, like God's given you some victory, but... Uh, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, or, or when they lose the remote, for instance, that's that's a little... Yeah. 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 Nothing like having to find the remote. Hey, kids, let's watch a movie, and they lost the remote. Yeah. I mean, it's a pain. Just, yeah. yeah. Well, you know... You try to spend that time with them. Yes. You know, you know the thinking about a critical... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Legos, losing remotes, yeah. uh, end it's of terrible. the world. But, and, but uh, they're great. Yes. Still yeah. love them. Now, what about your wife? I mean, oh, she's how's great. that going? Yeah, we just had our 11th anniversary. Yes. Yeah. Good. We went out to eat. That should be we pretty... We had to wait 45 minutes for our food, but yeah, it was great. Great anniversary time. Yeah. We loved it. Did y'all talk during that... Yeah, we did. 40... We did. It was a good time to talk. You're absolutely right. Yeah. 45 minutes for food is not bad when you're there with your wife of 11 years. I mean, that's True. great. You know, the pizza came out. It was a little uh, It was a little too hot, Yeah. but it was good. I mean, tasty. Yeah. The flavor was there. Right, but it, was, it, was, it wasn't perfect. 45 minutes, a little hot, but great. You know, it's anniversary yeah. dinner. You know, now, so how, how, how's your job doing? I mean, you know, God's blessed awesome. you with a good job to pay for your... I love your, that job so much. My, my boss hasn't annoyed me in months, you know, so it's been great. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I ask for a raise all the time, and they don't really give it to me after five years, even though I've spent my time right. putting it over time. But it's great. I mean, it pays the bills, so, you know, I can't really complain or anything. I mean, I don't want to complain, but <laughs> if I had to... There'll be a few things that I might point out about my job. You yes. Know, the fact that other people try to give me things to do and that sort yes. of thing. But I love it. It's good. Well, you could tell that Robert is not quite there yet. Now, as you know, we've scripted this somewhat together. And so Robert is, is helping me to illustrate something. But isn't it true, Robert and church, that we're all in the battle with struggling at times over a critical spirit? Am I right? So can we, thanks, Robert. Good job. Can you give him a hand? You do a good job. That was great. Now, I, I want you to know, if you're willing to, uh, to do a skit with me on Sunday mornings, hey, we rehearse these things on Saturday, so it, it's worth it, all right? 
I wanted, to, I wanted to give you a visual because so many times these are the conversations, and I know we did it in a humorous way, but these are the conversations we have that oftentimes we don't even realize are turning negative. So in Numbers chapter 12, we, we're going to see again as we've been going back and forth, haven't we? Back to the Old Testament, and then we've gone to the New Testament. Old Testament to, to, to look at the negative attitudes, the New Testament to see the positive attitudes. We've been going from failure to victory. We've been going from negative to positive. And so today is going to be uh, the failing attitude, the one that can be destructive. We're going to look at that one which can defeat us. And so again, I introduced this message not expecting a lot of uh, applause or amens. In fact, I almost, I don't discourage it, but I do say this, that as the Holy Spirit works on us and reveals to us the areas of our lives with a critical spirit that need to change in our attitudes, let's, let's, let's hear from heaven today. We don't necessarily, uh, it's not important to me that we uh, hear from each other as much as we hear from God this morning. And so look, if you would, at Romans, uh, Numbers chapter 12, rather, and let's begin at verse 1, okay? We're going to study this whole chapter together. It's only 16 verses, and let's let the Holy Spirit do some surgery in the pastor's life, in the elders, in the deacons, and every single member of our church. And Miriam and Aaron. Who are Miriam and who is Aaron? This, for this sermon at least, is the brother and sister of Moses. All right? Obviously, Miriam is the, young, is the lady. She's the sister. Aaron is the brother. And Miriam and Aaron, look at here, spake against. I have written in the margin of my Bible, criticized. They spoke against. They criticized Moses because of the Ethiopian woman who he had married. They began to criticize. They began to speak against Moses. Moses was a man placed in leadership in their lives. And they began to criticize their leader. Oftentimes, criticism leads to being critical about people. We talked about complaining a few weeks ago. And complaining often leads to being critical about situations, you know, like the food's too hot or too cold or things, circumstances. that We, we, we complain about circumstances. We criticize people, see. And so a critical spirit will always lead to criticism about people. And more often than not, it's people who are close to us. It's people we go to church with. It's people in our family. Here is Moses uh, being criticized by Miriam and by Aaron. Let's define the word criticism. It's been, I think, one of the most profound things about our series has been these definitions. Because there's so many definitions, so many ways to define a word. But let's look at this definition on the screen. To dwell upon the perceived faults of another with no view to their good. Criticism. To dwell upon, isn't it interesting that this particular definition says perceived thoughts? Oftentimes, what we think is wrong with someone is not necessarily wrong. It's just kind of what we think. What we think may not be true. What we think may be totally exactly the opposite because it's hard to judge a man, isn't it? If we spend time trying to judge and say, well, this is what I think, doesn't that lead to criticism and oftentimes false information and the big G word, which is gossip? And then notice the word dwell. Isn't that an interesting word? So this isn't something that we just think about for a little while. 
This is something that we dwell on. This is something that we sit in church and hardly listen to the words of the song or hear the message because somebody or something, rah, rah, rah. And so we dwell on something which causes us oftentimes, and it's a scenario that plays out in church all the time, trust me. After pastoring for 24 years, I'm well aware of the fact that God can be doing great things in the midst of the congregation, and if we're not careful, we don't see it. Because we're dwelling upon the perceived faults of another with no view to their good. Something's not right with someone. We see it. We dwell upon it. Oftentimes, an analytical person really has to be careful about this. If you're analytical, that's okay. Nothing wrong. I think sometimes it can be good to be someone who is just sort of real, got a lot of perception. You're analytical. You, 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 you like to really figure things out and, you know, connect the dots. And that's okay, but it, it can be dangerous. You see, that no view to their help or no view to their good is very important for us to understand when it comes to criticism because... We always want to be helping people if we're thinking something's wrong. If something is wrong uh, with, with Jerry, if, I, if I'm concerned about Jerry Gormley, then the Bible tells me what I need to do. I need to go to Jerry. If I love Jerry, I'm going to do what? I'm going to go to Jerry. Now, would it be right for me to go to a third party? Would it ever be right for me to go to somebody else if, I, if, if, I, if I've got something I'm concerned about with Jerry, do I go with somebody else and talk to somebody else about Jerry? I'd say 90% of the time, maybe 95% of the time, that would probably not be the best thing to do. But I think sometimes, just to make sure that everybody's getting their questions answered at least decently, because this is a sticky one, it is. What if I go to someone to help me figure out how I can go to that person. Okay, well, if that might be the case, if there could be times when you would go to someone else, a a pastor, an elder, and just say, look, I I need some advice. I'm concerned about so-and-so. How can I help them? Here's how you can know that situation, that the conversation or your heart wasn't critical against someone. And I believe this with all of my heart. It's when you can pray for that person with that person. I've never found it to be that I can become hateful or angry or bitter against someone who I'm praying for. Prayer is a wonderful tool, and it's one that we can use with each other for other brothers and sisters that we love. And so pray for them. What about a struggling brother or sister sometimes in the church that we, we, we see we're concerned about uh, in our family even, and, and we go to that person and we share with that person what it is we're concerned about. That's a good thing. That's a biblical thing. But when we go and talk about it with others, Miriam and Aaron, it's never just one. You see, criti- critical spirits always attract others. It becomes two and three and four, and then there's a posse of of, of critical people that have gathered together and kind of got a hold of some folks who want to hear the juicy perception of what we feel may be true, may be false. So let's now look at the whole story, shall we? little foundation there. Now let's dive in, all right? Miriam and Aaron. First of all, I think it might be good to point out in verse 1, who is Miriam? Not only is she the sister of Moses, but Miriam is the one who took Moses and put him into the bulrushes. She was actually uh, a really key part in Moses' early life when his life was in danger and unknown and, and, and potentially near death. It was Miriam who stepped in to save this little child. She loved Moses. She loved him. 
In fact, in Exodus chapter number 15, when they uh, crossed the Red Sea, it was Miriam who wrote the song of celebration and victory as they sung that together after crossing the Red Sea. Which tells you this. Never think you're too spiritual that you would not struggle with criticism. Sometimes I think we can kind of entitle ourselves if we're not careful. We struggle with one of these negative attitudes, but we kind of clothe it in Phariseeism, you know. And so let's, let's just begin with this, because this is where the ground is level sometimes at the foot of the cross. Folks, we all, if we're honest, at times would struggle. It's okay. We're family. We're not, we're not trying to say I'm better than you or you're better than me or, you know, I'm not trying to elevate myself over you. You're not trying to, we're just all saying together, you know what, I may really struggle with this and I need some help. Look at verse 2. And they said, not just Miriam, not just Moses, uh, not just Aaron, they said together, they criticized together, hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? Uh, what's interesting about that little verse there is it shows what the real issue was. We're going to talk about this in just a minute, but the petty issue was we don't like his wife. Right? Did you see that in verse 1? They didn't like his wife. Well, first of all, that's, that's super petty. That's none of your business. That's not an issue. That's not something you and I need to be sitting around talking about, judging. Uh, but the real issue was this. We're jealous. The deeper issue was this. We're struggling. Moses always gets the attention. Moses makes the decisions. It seems like only the Lord speaks to Moses. What about us? Verse 3. Now the man Moses was very meek. He was more meek than all the men that were upon the face of the earth. And here comes the Lord. Here comes Daddy. He speaks suddenly to Moses and to Aaron and to Miriam. Now, church, I, I want to draw your attention. Don't miss this, because sometimes we tend to think this, don't we? I do. What's the big deal? I was just a little criticism. I was just joking. I didn't mean it. I mean, I, you know, I don't really, I, you know, I, okay, I'll, I'll be careful next time, you know. What does God think about it when we're critical? What does God say when we throw our little temper tantrums about someone else that we don't like or this or that or uh, this in the church or this in our home or as Robert and I share? What, what does God think about that critical spirit? Well, let's see. Because this is, this is what God's doing about the criticism. God is reacting like this. Hey, guys, come here. Let's get together. He speaks suddenly to them. And he says this, come out ye three into the tabernacle, verse 4, of the congregation. And they three came out, and the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud. He stood in the door of the tabernacle. He calls Aaron and Miriam. They both come forth, and he says, hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make known myself unto him in a vision, and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses, the Lord says, is not so, who is faithful in all my house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Why did, why did not it bother you to be critical? Why did you just act like it was no big deal? 
why wasn't it a big deal to you that you are trying to destroy the credibility of someone else and it's just your perception and you're not looking out for their good? Why are you dwelling on the negative? Paraphrase, total paraphrase there. That was turning your Bibles to the EAC, the Eric Andrea Capace version, okay? And and so so we see here God's upset. Look at verse 9. This is crazy. Is God overreacting here? Is God just kind of having a bad day? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them. He was upset. And the cloud departs from off the tabernacle. And get this, Miriam becomes leprous. Oh no. The judgment of sin becomes, begins to fall into Miriam's life. She becomes leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looks upon Miriam and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron says to Moses, Oh, Lord, I beseech thee, I beg thee, lay not this sin upon us. We've been stupid. We've spoken foolishly. We've sinned. Let her not be as one dead of whom the flesh is half consumed when he cometh out of his mother's womb. And Moses cries and says, heal her, God. Moses is concerned now and he loves his brother. He loves his sister. Heal, heal them, please, Lord. And the Lord then gives a reference out of an Old Testament law in verse 14. And he says, Moses, if her father had but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut up. It says shut out, but I wanted to put shut up. Because that's what critics need to do is shut up, all right? But let her be shut out from the camp for seven days. And after that, let her be received in again. And so Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days. And the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. So there's your story. There's Numbers chapter 12. A whole chapter dedicated to God's judgment on complaining. Wow. So that's, that's, that's negative attitude number three, this critical spirit. A lot of criticism happening in this chapter. So let me give you some principles. Are you ready for principle number one out of this chapter? Number one, criticism is wrong. Criticism is sin. That should not be uh, strange to you after reading this story. It's pretty obvious. Verse 11, if you'd like to read it again, calls criticism a sin in the passage, let not this sin be held against us. You know what we want to believe about some of our sins? Ready? We want to believe their weaknesses. This is a weakness. I mean, sin's a little hard. I mean, come on, it's not. I mean, I'm not like murdering somebody. I'm not selling dope. I'm not. I'm just. I'm just being critical. I just every now and then I just. God says that's sin. God. God says that's wrong. Here's the question, church. Are are we going to believe what we think about that sin? Or or are we going to believe what God says about it? If, If we believe what we say about it, then yeah, maybe it's a weakness. But if we believe what God says about it, it's a sin. And I think we need to lay down our opinions about what God says. Amen. Criticism, dwelling on the perceived fault of another with no view to their good. That's fallouts to this. Man, it's crazy what this, what this can do. Number one, one of the fallouts is this. It's wrong for our fellowship with God. It's so hard to have close fellowship with God and, and to have union with God and communion with God when we have a critical spirit. 
I know we can be saved. I understand that. Nothing can change that. So I'm not talking about relationship, but I am talking about fellowship. Sin breaks fellowship with God. And when we sin and when we're critical, our fellowship with God is not as sweet as it used to be. So if you have a negative, critical, fault-finding attitude that you have not dealt with, I encourage you today to claim 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The problem with many of us today is we're kind of maybe sitting here in the building wondering what the big deal is. I mean, really, Pastor, a whole message on criticism? Well, if God gave a whole chapter, it deserves at least one sermon in your lifetime. A critical spirit. It's wrong not just for our fellowship with God, but it's wrong for us personally. As a pastor, I've seen so many people who have their spiritual lives have have gone dry and they're they're wandering like the children of Israel in the wilderness. They never get to the promised land like they never got to the promised land because of their complaining critical spirit. You see, criticism takes a toll on us. Choose to sin, choose to suffer. It's just the way it is. And if we're going to be critical, we're going to have to live with the, with, with the, circ- with the, with the uh, consequences of that. When God says don't criticize, what God is saying in Numbers chapter 12 is this. Don't hurt yourself. It's going to hurt you. There are destructive consequences to criticism. And let me tell you something else I've noticed about criticism is you can get really good at it. It can become a habit. And sometimes it can become something that you don't even realize you're doing. Remember we, talk, we talked about these things that, that happen over a long period of time, these negative attitudes. They're not something that happened overnight. It's something that over a long period of time it develops. It's destructive. Did you know that medical studies have shown this to be true? That critical people live with more stress than non-critical people. They tend to take more blood pressure medicine. They tend to have more health problems. They tend to deal with a lot more stress if they are critical. So it sounds like to me, next week we're going to get healthy. I can't wait. Some of you are going to put up your blood pressure medicine after next week's sermon. I'm just kidding. I know there's other reasons to take blood pressure medicine, but I will tell you this, that I don't want to have a, I want to live a stress-free life and if there's some things that I can get rid of in my life to make me more joyful and happy, and I want to do that. Critical spirit. And then number three, it's wrong for our relationship with others. Not only our relationship with God and, and personally, but for others. Listen, I've talked to so many people as a pastor of this church who have come to me and said these words. I just don't have many friends. You know that critical people find themselves alone. Who really wants to develop a long-standing, real close relationship with somebody that, that, that wants to be critical all the time? I mean, I don't remember my wife ever, my wife and I ever saying, hey, honey, let's go out with the Joneses. Man, I just love getting into critical conversations with them about people. It's so fun. It makes me feel better when we just tear others down. Silly, Pastor, exactly. That's why critical people find themselves over a lifetime with few or no friends. 
And they live lonely lives. Nobody wants to be around that. So it's wrong for your relationship with others. So criticism is sin. Number two, criticism is petty. Oh, is it ever petty? Again, back to verse 1. Why in the world were they picking on Moses' wife? I'll tell you why. Because that wasn't the real issue. Are you listening? The real issue wasn't Moses' wife. Oftentimes, the critical little petty issues are a cover-up for the real issue. So what we do is we, we complain about these issues that are like, are you serious? Really? That's like lame. Who cares about that? Who cares about the color of the carpet? You, you actually are going to criticize because of a song or because of a color or because of a, 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 a you know, uh, the pizza was too hot or cold. I'm just throwing stuff out. Sorry, I'm not more prepared to think of all the things to criticize about. Maybe that's a good thing. I, I try not to be critical. I've struggled with it, though. That's not the issue. It's a deeper issue. It's like counseling a married couple, and you get them together, and they're on the brink of divorce over, I just don't like the fact that he doesn't hang up his clothes, and I'm tired of it. And we're using the D word? Over clothes? Well, it's just been, you know, several years. Okay, now tell me the real issue. Tell me the real issue. Cut to the chase. It's not the clothes. You see, criticism is petty. And it covers up the real issue at hand, which is an issue of the heart. So what is the real issue? Three things. Number one, unforgiveness and bitterness fuel criticism. That's what fuels it. What makes us critical over petty things that really aren't the real issue are the fact that we have unforgiveness and bitterness in our hearts. I've seen this happen, especially in the religious world. Because of things that have happened, ways we've been treated, things that, that kind of came down. And, and what happens is we, we harbor this bitterness in our hearts and this, this unforgiveness in our hearts towards people in our past who have maybe hurt us, and rightfully so. I mean, hey, I understand we're all going to be hurt. I told somebody this week who's going through this very thing. Remember two things from preacher. Number one... Life's not fair. Number two, people are cruel. Remember that. It's true. Life isn't fair. And people are cruel. So what do we do about it? Well, we get angry and we live mad and critical and unforgiving every day. And that helps. No, the best thing you can do is just say, you know what? Life's not fair. People are cruel. Praise God I'm saved. Praise God. My wife loves me. Uh, I've got a great church to go to. There's a lot of things. It could be worse. You know what I'm saying? And so what happens is we, we, we're, if we're not careful, is especially those of you who have come from a very strong, legalistic, a lot of hate preaching, a lot of everything's wrong and not very much is right. I, I deal every day of my life, I get phone calls from people that are harboring unforgiveness towards their past and things they've been through and kids that have gone sour and left the church, the fallout of that is insane. But you know who's to, oftentimes, parents, we're at fault because we were the ones that started criticizing and our kids heard it. And they said, I don't want any part of that. So be careful. It's a warning. 
But it's a good warning. It's a happy warning because it's one that's going to help us in the long run. The second issue, the heart issue, is this. Being envious of the success of another fuels criticism. Being envious of the success of another. This can oftentimes fuel our criticism. Somebody else is successful and is opposed to, to, to saying, I'm so happy for them. We get critical. I mean, they're successful. They're achieving. We're struggling. And so it's really easy to be critical during those times. Number three, the third issue, hard issue, is personal failure fuels criticism. You know why? Because we get discouraged. We get discouraged. Life didn't turn out the way we thought it would. And I'm, I'm, I'm 51 years old and Man, some of the dreams I had just hadn't come. And look at so he's 51 and he's got church three times the size of mine and I'm a failure. And so we start being critical. See, personal failure can fuel criticism. These are just some, this is the real issue of the heart. Criticism is not healthy. And criticism is petty. And the real issue is not what we're being critical about. It's something else. Got to get to the heart of the issue and then we'll stop criticizing all right principle number three criticism is self-exalting it's ultimately an exaltation of self criticism elevates me above you criticism makes me feel better because you feel worse i feel better because criticism for at least a short time puts me over you We say subconsciously, if I can't be successful, then I'm going to exalt myself by tearing somebody else down. I know this sounds really hard, but it's what it is. It's just, it's the truth. It it doesn't come out this way, but this is what is behind criticism. An exaltation of self. It's very selfish. Principle number four, criticism is painful. Has anybody ever suffered the pain of criticism? Has anybody ever been hurt by someone else's words against you? You think Moses was hurt? Moses was hurt. This was tough. I mean, they're gossiping about his wife, criticizing him because he married this woman. And now they're being hateful and spewing out venomous words about his leadership. Criticism is painful. This was his own family, and sometimes the ones that are closest to us hurt us the most. Isn't that true? The effect of criticism can also knock confidence out of a person's life. I mean, so many people have so much potential. I look at the, the, sometimes I look at some young people, children, teenagers, and I see their futures are so bright, they have so much to offer, but they're so discouraged because they're beat down. They're beat down by us. Sometimes beat down by leadership, beat down by by teachers or even moms and dads, we've got to be careful that we're not always just looking for the negative to correct, but for the positive to praise. Father's Day is a good day, dads, for us to get a lot of praise and thanksgiving and donuts. But Father's Day is also a day to do inventory. Let me ask you a question, dads. How's that first video doing for you? Spending time with your kids? Or just making empty threats. I mean, we need to spend time with our kids. We, we need to realize that it's so important that our kids think that we think they're the greatest thing in the world. 
And that everything they do, it doesn't matter if they do it better than anybody else or not as good as somebody else. To us, it's the best. They need that. They need that confidence. You know what our girls need? You know what Chloe needs? Chloe needs to think, and she came to the first service, so I didn't say this, so don't tell her. (laughs) Chloe needs to think to Daddy, she's the most beautiful princess. Cinderella's got nothing on her. Her self-esteem needs to be lifted by her dad. She needs to feel special in her dad's eyes. She needs to date her dad and 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 that little scene where that girl looked up to her dad and said i want to marry somebody just like you every daughter ought to be able to say that about her dad if the truth be told dads that's what we want isn't would that be a dream if we could be that kind of dad let's be careful how we talk to our children abraham lincoln gave this quote this is really good i wrote it down in my bible so i could read it to you here's a quote from one of my favorite presidents if I tried to read much, much less answer all of the criticisms made of me and all the attacks leveled against me, this office would have to be closed to all other business. I do the best I know how, the very best I can. And I need to keep on doing this down to the very end. And if the end brings me out all wrong, ten angels from heaven swearing that I was right would not make it any different. And if the end brings me out all right... That's what is said, then then what is said against me now will not amount to anything. You know what? I heard one man say it like this. Silence your critics by accomplishing your cause. Don't silence your critics by fighting back. Silence your critics by just doing what God told you to do. Do you know how many people I, that, that have told me that God doesn't want me to do what God wants me to do? It's been crazy. Hey, I've had, I, just through, through the last 10 years, so many people tell me this and rah, 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 and I'm like, but, but listen, God's leading you maybe differently than he's leading me. No, he's not, and God wouldn't want that, but God told me, but God's leading me this way. You see, really what it boils down to is who are we going to follow? Galatians 1.10. Look at it. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Wow. Please Christ. Please Christ. That's all that matters. Focus on what God thinks. I like what Theodore Roosevelt said. It's not the critic who counts. It's not the one who points out how the strong man stumbles or how the doer of deeds may have done it better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred with sweat and dirt and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again and again who knows great enthusiasm and great devotion and spends himself in a worthy cause, who if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. Hallelujah. I don't want to be a critic. Principle number five. Criticism is often careless words. Careless words. You know what I found... The book of Proverbs called careless words. It's interesting. Loose lips. Look it up. 
Loose lips. Critics oftentimes are critics inadvertently. It's like, I didn't mean to say that. I take it back, I take it back. It's too late. (laughs) You see, sometimes we don't really intentionally, really mean to criticize, but it just happens. Loose lips. I believe that's what Aaron did here. Aaron hated the fact that he said what he said. It's like right after he said it. I don't like his wife, and he's got, he's got just way too much. He thinks he's this, and he thinks he's that. And then Aaron says in verse 10, Lord, I beseech thee, lay not this sin upon me. I mean, right after he said it, he's saying, I'm sorry. How many times do we say something we know we shouldn't say, and then say a few seconds later, I'm sorry. And my wife says, then why'd you say it? Anybody else wife say that? Okay, thank you. A couple of us? Maybe three. God bless you. We said it because we had a problem the Bible describes as loose lips, careless words. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Remember, your children are learning from you. Principle number six, criticism plugs the flow of God's blessings. It plugs the flow. It is, I'm convinced, and I agree with Oswald Chambers in this quote. I agree with this. Listen, whenever you are being critical, it is impossible to enter into communion with God. Criticism makes you hard and vindictive and cruel, and it leaves you with the prideful notion That you are the superior person. Wow. It's impossible, Oswald Chambers says, to have communion with God and be critical at the same time. So if that's true, let's get up close and personal. Number one, am I a critical person? Now listen, church, this is where it gets, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where you and I, every other week now, next week will be different, but this week is surgery week. This week is... 911. This week is, you know, give me some, put me to sleep and take the criticism out. I don't want to live this way anymore. I'm dying. I'm in the wilderness. Too many fights with my wife. My kids aren't happy. This is not good. God help me. This is where we're at today. Am I negative and harsh in my opinion of others? Am I quick to find fault? Am I always looking for fault? Is that just an attribute of mine? Hello, my name is Eric. I'm quick to find fault. Spend a few minutes with me. I'll tell you everything's wrong with you. Is that me? Is that you? Is that us? Am I a critical person? Number two, am I reaping the consequences in my relationship with God? Are there things that are just not going well spiritually for me because I'm critical. Be honest. Could it be that if we would pay attention to this problem, that things would become, we would unplug the, we would unplug what's been plugged that's prevented us from having the blessings of God. I believe that. Number three, am I willing to be like Aaron and repent. 
Am I willing to say this morning with Mr. Aaron? God, I'm sorry. Please, don't let my family suffer anymore. Don't let my my church suffer. Don't let my, my small group suffer. Don't let my relationship with my wife suffer. Don't let my kids suffer anymore, God. I know leprosy's come to my family. I know there's been sickness and, 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 and things that harsh words have caused. God, please take it away. And God may say to you, it won't go right away like he said to Aaron. Miriam's going to have this for seven days. Sorry, that's just the consequences of your sin. Choose to sin, choose to suffer. You're going to have to work through this thing. I'm sorry, it just ain't going to happen overnight. But I promise you, God says... If you'll start getting rid of criticism in a critical spirit, I'll hear you. I'll make, I'll bring joy back into your home. I'll bring peace back into your relationships. I wish I could tell you what next week is. I wish I could. I'm not going to do it. But when, listen, the antidote, this, I think next Sunday is my favorite sermon of all ten. I can't wait to share with you what will conquer this every time. Every head bowed and every eye closed. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, in just a moment we'll give an invitation and we're going to sing about our good, good Father. We're just going to lift Him up, praise Him, let Him know how much we love Him. But before we do that, I want to ask you today, do you need to repent? Is there someone here today that needs to repent and turn to Christ for the very first time? You've never truly come to a place where you've completely turned from your sin and, and turned to Jesus, put your faith and trust in him. I want to invite you to come in just a moment. I really do. Just come in just a moment. We stand. Don't hesitate. Don't wait in the balcony on the main floor. Just come and say, hey, I need to talk to somebody. We'd love to take some time after this service and just spend, spend some time with you. We'd love to do that. You come. You come and let us know. Let us pray with you. Maybe you're here today and you're like me. You know, you just appreciate so much the fact that the Holy Spirit of God is still working on me. He's still making me into what I need to be. Helping me understand that my petty criticisms are absolutely ridiculous. No reason for it. What I need to do is get to the heart of the issue and fix that. So I pray this morning that God will work. Father, I love you. I need you. I confess today that I needed this sermon as much as I needed to preach it. Father, I pray that you'd overcome us, that you'd be preeminent in this invitation, that as we lift our voices one last time on this Father's Day, that we would give honor and glory, not to man, but to the only one who deserves it, our Daddy, Abba Father. Please bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand together? And as we close an invitation, if you need to come, the invitation is open right now. Right now. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. But I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night. And you tell me.